0: Good morning. We're beginning 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 Advent today, which is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And Advent is simply this Latin word for coming. And these weeks are a season of waiting, and anticipation, and preparation. And so we hold in this season this this idea. We're just holding it, and keeping it these weeks. And then the great celebration comes. Um, think about Advent, and we often think about candles and how a candle is this symbol. And so we just had the moats light our hope candle this week, and we'll light the peace and love and joy. And um, Christmas Eve, we will light the Christ candle, where we celebrate this idea that Jesus is the light of the world. And we, as his followers... Carry that light of his life in us. And so we come also as the light of the world to all the places we go. And candles are a pretty powerful symbol. If you think about how one candle can break through the darkest night and bring light and shine out. And In our modern world, sometimes we might not feel the power of the candle because it's simple to just flip on a switch and we have light, or you can click, click, click with the lighter and start a fire. But if you think about just holding the flame, being the keeper of it, holding it, tending to it, there's something in that for our waiting season of Advent. This Advent, we're framing... Our expectant waiting and preparation around this hymn, O come all ye faithful, or, oh, sorry, O come, let us adore him. And I am starting with the first line, which is, O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. So that's our frame as we go into this season. And I want to begin with my first line, O come all ye faithful. So that's where we're going to begin, ye faithful. We're not going to talk about ye. We're going to focus on faithful. So, a couple of questions about this. First, who are ye faithful? Who are these people that are being invited to Bethlehem to see this baby who is Christ the Lord? Who are they? And I think there's some different senses in this song that are captured because there's three time periods being represented here. The first, ye faithful, are those ancient ones who are waiting, who are expecting, who are watching for the Messiah to come. Those ancient ones who are waiting and looking forward to the one who was promised. And then Jesus came as a baby in the flesh. So first we kind of think of those ye faithful who showed up that day when Jesus was born. But second, we think about the ye faithful, us, as we anticipate and look for Jesus to come again. In glory at the end of time. And so there's this anticipation of his return someday. And that anticipation has been true for each generation since Jesus has been here on earth. Each generation has passed that anticipation on as we look forward to the future when that will happen. But there's also this third group, which once again we are a part of, but this third group who anticipate Jesus coming daily into our hearts. I think that's the power of Advent and this reminder that Christmas isn't just one day a year, but every day we wait with anticipation for Jesus to come into our hearts and to live with us here. So those are the who ye faithful, but the second question is how? How is it that they are faithful? You know, what makes some people faithful? And so that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning. And to answer that how question of how to be faithful, I want to go way back before the beginning of time as we know it. You know, we experience time in this way, but think about before God created. This God existed. This triune God who had three persons in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Each had roles and function, purpose. And together, in heaven... Before the creation of the world as we know it, God existed and had community amongst the three. And there was personality and relationship. There was satisfaction and enjoyment. There was communication. All these things were present. And then God decided to create. Why? We don't know all the why, but we suspect that one of the biggest reasons why is to express his love. So he created to express his love. So God creates this world, creates people, and makes people in his image, like him, able to communicate and have personality, to think, to dream. He creates these people who are supposed to be responsible for the rest of creation. These people who are supposed to take care of the earth and take care of all the other living things on earth. You Think about this beautiful image in the First, scenes in the book of Genesis where God is walking in the garden with those first people, walking and talking, enjoying being together. And I think for that reason alone, for that like relationship, God created this world. But as we know, the story continues in Genesis. And there's a change, a sudden change, when the man and woman decide to use their power of choice to choose to be separate from God. You know, it's the reaching out for the fruit and taking that fruit that is the like disobedience to the one command. But in that act, it begins the separation from them and God. It gives them this ability to know good and evil, this ability to know that, They can live separately from God. You know, when they reached out and ate the fruit, they didn't just die. They continued, but they continued in a different way. And there's this separation from God. And right then in that moment, in that story, God began a new project. A new project of redemption. This idea that God wants to bring people back to himself to be in life with him not separated and away from him and on their own, but inviting people to be back in relationship with him. So this redemption story unfolds throughout the Old Testament and takes us to this manger scene with Jesus. So if you look at that moment um, in history where God first thought, okay, what am I going to do? to bring people back to me. You know, they're choosing to go their own way, and evil and wickedness is growing in this world, and God just says, okay, what am I going to do? First thing, I'll try. Start over. Let's just start over with the flood. We'll get one guy who's righteous, Noah, and with him I will begin again, and this will, this will put people back on path. Life with me. That didn't go so awesome, and so God had to continue his plan of redemption. And he made the second choice. Okay, that didn't work with the start over, so this time I'm going to create my own people. I'm going to choose one person who I will reveal myself to. I'll show that person and his family my ways. I will make a covenant agreement with them that I will be their God, and they will be my people, and there'll be relationship, and it'll be restored. And so with With that, God says to this one guy, Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And here's the beginning of ye faithful, the people who God has made covenant with, that they would be his people, he would be their God, and he would show them this way of life with him. And they had the job of letting everybody else know about this relationship that's possible with God. So as the other nations would see them, they would be interested and intrigued and want to be a part of the same thing in this relationship with God and life not separate from God, but together. And I think that we think it should all be a lot easier. You know, if God's clearly manifesting himself, making himself known, revealing himself, communicating, you know, providing, it should be easier. Why, why do people want to live separately from God when he is making himself so known? But it's the reality that this pull away from God, this pull towards separation, is very strong. You know, a few months back, we did this series, Out of Egypt. We talked about how the story of Israel is our story. And how God brought the people out of slavery in Egypt to establish them in the promised land as his people. And you remember this story where God brings them out of Egypt in a very dramatic, exciting way, brings them to the edge of the promised land. They're looking over, about to go and enter. And what did the people do? Do they just fall over themselves in gratitude, saying, thank you, God, it's so amazing, we appreciate it, we're going to renew our allegiance to you, we're going to give ourselves to you? No. <laughs> that is not what happened. They were falling over themselves to go back to Egypt, to live separate from God. And just think about God in that moment and how much that have, must have hurt To have done all these things to bring this people out, to make them his own, and they just want to go back to Egypt. Ouch. You know, God's project of redemption is creating this faithful people who are his very own by their own choice, that they would choose to live together with him. I think sometimes we also think it should be easier. Easier for us to choose allegiance to God over separation. But now, thousands of years of lived experience prove that it is hard to resist that pull toward other things, the pull toward other allegiances, and that to choose to follow God is actually quite difficult. So God takes those people into the wilderness for 40 years. You know, God could have said, okay, go back to Israel or or Egypt and I'm done with you. But instead, God took them into the desert. And a part of taking them into that desert wandering was that God brought them out of Egypt. But now, God needed to get Egypt out of them. Needed to get those other allegiances out of them so that God could take that space in their life. So out in the desert, God gives them the Ten Commandments, guides them in these ways of how to live with him, how to be his people, how to embody this covenant relationship. And then after those 40 years, we see this great scene where Moses is talking to the people. Once again, they've come to the edge of the Promised Land. They're looking in, ready to go in. Moses can't go in, so he gives them this speech to remind them of what it means to have a faithful life with God, how to live the covenant. Here's what Moses said to them. Moses summoned all Israel and said, Hear, Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them. Be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us, who are alive here today. And the Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. So God renewed his covenant with them. You know, this wasn't some old thing done with some old dead grandpa. God renewed his covenant with them. And that's the story of God's unfolding redemption, that he continues to renew the covenant with each generation. And it was this corporate, Covenant that the whole people of God would be obeying and following God as each individual obeyed and followed God. I think it's also interesting to just note that this obedience doesn't lead the way. You know, it's not the law that's leading, but instead it's the covenant that is leading. And it's a covenant that God makes. God makes the promises, God does the saving. You know, their salvation is already theirs. They already have it. And now, from that place of having relationship with God, the rules come not as ways to earn something from God, but instead as a, as a, from a place of motivation to be thankful and devoted to God. So God has saved them, and now they respond, Ah, God, we want to live this life that is yours. We want to live out our obedience as a fruit of our salvation. They choose to be faithful. In reading about the Ten Commandments um, this past week, I came across this quote, which I thought was pretty interesting. Because often we come to the Ten Commandments and we just think, oh, the Ten Commandments decide, you know, if you do them and keep them, you're good, and if you don't keep them, you're bad. You know, this like dividing of good and evil and deciding that. But instead, this is, an, is a guide to how to live a faithful life. So thinking about the Ten Commandments as a guide to a faithful life with God, here's what said. There, there's two central concerns in the Ten Commandments. Number one is fidelity to covenantal relationship with God. So the, the point of the Ten Commandments is just to be aligned with God and how to be directed in our life toward God. And then second, this guiding idea of the Ten Commandments is that the Ten Commandments' central concern is maintaining the family-centric and moral order of the society for the purposes of the proper observation and transmission of the covenant to future generations. I think that's interesting, that the point of this Ten Commandments is for order in the society, that they would keep that order, for themselves, and that they would transmit it. They'd pass it on to generations ahead. And it was a guide for them in how to live a faithful life with God. Um, If you have a program in it, I've listed out the Ten Commandments with kind of a question that is going along with this guiding idea. So you think about commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. And how does that guide us? Question, to whom are you to be faithful? You know, who are you to be faithful to? Just a reminder, oh, here's this God. You know, as you think about these 10 commandments, that commandment number one is kind of like the commandment, and then the other nine are just supporting that idea of how do you keep God number one? So if you look at number second commandment, you must not make for yourself an idol. I the guiding question is, how are you to express your faithfulness? How are you to express your faithfulness to God? Not by making and creating something that you worship to get to God, but instead keeping your focus on your relationship with God that you can have directly. Third commandment, do not misuse the name of Yahweh your God. And the question that guides us is, how are you to use his authority faithfully? You know, to call on his name in an appropriate way and not to abuse it. Well, you can read the rest of those in your program but the idea in these ten Commandments is not just the deciding of right and wrong and good and evil, but this call and invitation by God to live in his way, to live in his order and to pass that on to the next generation. you know through the Ten Commandments it is this is, God's prescriptive design for a life that is flourishing. You know, experiencing God's best for your life is found within these guides for how to live. And so when we ask the question, who are ye faithful? We look back to these ancient ones who heard from God, who received from God, who chose to live in the system that God gave them. You think about the unfolding story that God was doing in redemption, that there was this promised child that would come, and in that they expected and looked forward to this one who would come and would be Emmanuel, God with us. And so they carried the fire by living the covenant for themselves each day and passing it on to the next generation. You know, their faithfulness was not simply in words or going through the motions but it was how they carried the fire for themselves as an individual and as a community, taking ownership of their role in the covenant, that it wasn't just something they were passively doing, but it was their whole life, and it was connected to responding to God out of joy through their obedience. In Deuteronomy 6, following Moses' kind of remembrance of the Ten Commandments Moses gave them the Shema, this one summarizing statement of the law. He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And so by living out this one commandment to love God, they prioritized their life, gave order to their life. And now we, you and me, get to be ye faithful. As we also covenant with God through Jesus and what he did in living, and dying, and rising from the dead, we covenant together with God and we make our allegiance following him in his ways. You know, we are the ones who daily anticipate and long for Jesus coming in our hearts. We are the ones who are anticipating and longing for that day in the future when Jesus will come again in glory at the end of time. We are God's covenant people, faithful in our relationship to God, to choose him each day, follow his ways and live in him. And by us carrying the covenant, we then transmit that to the next generation. We pass it on and are that link through history that connects us to God and his ways. So as you are in Advent this season and thinking about candles, think about how your life has the light of Jesus in it and how you are carrying that, stewarding that, tending that fire, and bringing light to the world and all who are around you. As I've been preparing this, it has been on my mind the Celtic Daily Prayer benediction and we've said it here many times, but it is, it is this kind of an anxious waiting for what God is about to do that's captured in this um, benediction. So I'll read it, and then we'll actually say it together at the end of service today. So from the book of Celtic Daily Prayer, God of the watching ones, give us your benediction. God of the waiting ones, Give us your good word for our souls. God of the watching ones, the waiting ones, the slow and suffering ones, give us your benediction your good word for our souls that we might rest. God of the watching ones, the waiting ones, the slow and suffering ones and of the angels in heaven and of the child in the womb give us your benediction your good word for our souls, that we might rest and rise in the kindness of your company. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your unfolding story of redemption, that we are caught up in that story. Our lives are linked through history to all that you've done thus far, and we are a link to all the future things you're about to do. God, we wait, we wait with anticipation for what you will do when you show up each day in our hearts and what you will do at the end of time to bring us all home. I pray that you'd bless this Advent season, draw us into your presence, and remind us of the light of your life in us. That we would steward it and let it shine out for all to see. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.